is the new Arizona Cardinal A.J. Green a fantasy sleeper or fool's gold for 2021? How likely is Saquon Barkley to bust coming off a massive knee injury? And join us for the kickoff of Season 10 of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour with episode number 500 tonight. Plus, the three-peat winner in the FFPC 500 Dynasty League number 37 and the back-to-back winner in 750 Dynasty League number two, Josh Batsner, drops in to discuss the Lions backfield, the Packers rushing attack, how they've changed, Corey Davis in New York, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Thank you so much, Rob, and thank you, Quiet Hollers. Remember to check out all the Quiet Hollers music at quiethollers.com. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkolics and Ferreliacs. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the season 10 premiere of the HSFF Hour, as well as episode number 500 for the show, as always, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman, and my co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Farrell, I, I know you haven't been here for all 500 episodes but, man, it feels like you've been here for about 490 of them. So welcome aboard, and thanks I, for joining me again. You're welcome, Balky. I've been there in spirit, and I've been a listener since episode one. We go way, way back with this podcast. And, you know, you, you've continued, Balky. Very few people can accomplish anything 500 times. You've been such a great contributor to this. For all the fantasy football and for anyone that loves to play in the FFPC, our hats go off to one, Eric Balky. Well, thank you, Farrell. I couldn't do it without you or the, or the listeners that that uh, that their energy keeps this going, you know, and 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 the high stakes players that have continued to agree to to come onto the show to spill their guts to talk about um, how they've been able to achieve so much success in in the fantasy football industry. Very difficult for for people who are are playing for big money to share their secrets, but I feel like we're able to bring that each and every week on this show, and and that's all attributed to the FFPC players. Kudos to you, and kudos again to you players. Uh, As a reminder to the players out there, the 2021 Football Guys Players Championship registration is live. Remember, $500,000 the first place. You come in second, you still get $100K, and the early bird is live right now. So register by June 30th, draft by July 15th. You'll get a free FFPC $35 team credit. Uh, Best ball drafts obviously open, including the Cinco de Best Ball uh, that start at $5 at myffpc.com. And for all you Dynasty fiends, we've got a great Dynasty guest coming up tonight. Um, Dynasty orphans are available. I think we have some still as low as a dollar, so you can pick up a Dynasty orphan very, very inexpensively. And, of course, Dynasty startups available, myffpc.com slash Dynasty. A world of stuff has happened since we broadcast last. We're going to try to cover all of it on the show tonight. I want to thank Football Guys, Draft Sharks, Roto World, and Rob for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Start off in our nation's capital, Farrell. Adam Schefter tweeted this out, that was, uh, Washington has signed Curtis Samuel, used to be with Carolina, to a three-year, $34.5 million contract. It's nearly $25 million guaranteed. This was something that was rumored uh, for a while, and it seems like Washington continues to poach uh, a ton of players off Carolina. Now, Curtis Samuel uh, has primarily been a slot receiver, obviously gets a lot of yards um, after the catch. But you got to believe that this is going to take some coverage pressure off Terry McLaurin, who didn't have a whole lot of help last year, either from the quarterback position 
or from the receiver opposite from him. These guys were actually teammates at the Ohio State University where Samuel and McLaurin, and now they're going to get to compete again together on the Washington football team. Scott Turner is the new offensive uh, coordinator there. He's, uh, he's shown pretty good uh, the last few years. And you got to believe with uh, Fitzmagic as the quarterback there, willing to, to, to take chances down the field, uh, willing to pump the ball in, into tight spots. This is good news for McLaurin. This is good news for Samuel. So you look at how this is going to affect the Samuel signing. Let's stay away from Fitzpatrick uh, for the moment, Farrell. But do you like McLaurin more now that Samuel's on the team? And is this a better spot for Samuel in Washington than he had in Carolina last year? Yes, I do like McLaurin more. And it's hard for me to like McLaurin more because I've got him – I've got him just about as high as anyone would want to take him in the early third round. Uh, Curtis Samuel is a player, Balky, that when he came in the league, I, too, thought the slot guy, the gadget guy, the guy with yards after the But if you look at it, he's the most improved player every year in the NFL. Each year, 15 to 20 uh, additional catches over the previous year. This past year, over 70. Rushed for 200 yards in a good sample size, 40 carries. Um, yeah, I really like what's going to happen here. I think that uh, you can elevate all of uh, the Redskin players based on what's happening there. You've got Riverboat Ron. You've got Fitzmagic. Um, this will make a different uh, running back out of uh, J.D. McKissick. Uh, he won't get 80 balls again in this scenario. Highly unlikely, but uh, even McKissick, uh, we'll, we'll have uh, more yards and better opportunities to do things with the ball. This is uh, this is a fascinating uh, addition, and uh, yeah, go with what you know. Curtis Samuel uh, rewarded very well in this contract. He's going to a place where uh, he's desired, loved, and we'll see that on the field. I just I'm, I'm in a draft where he went in the 11th round, and that's a steal wow. for this player, a real yeah, steal. Yeah, no, that's. Real good value uh, to, for Curtis Samuel there, no question. Um, keeping it on the receiver tip here, um, we have uh, one guy going from essentially the Midwest to out West, and that is A.J. Green, the longtime Cincinnati Bengal, is now an Arizona Cardinal. It's a one-year, $8 million deal. A.J. Green turns 33 years old this coming July. Didn't have a great season last year uh, in Cincinnati. He uh, had 104 targets, only caught 47 of them, uh, 47, beg your pardon, just over 500 yards and only two touchdowns. Um, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, we know coming from um, his collegiate experience, loves to spread out the receivers. And now they're going to have Kirk and Fitzgerald and Green and Hopkins. But Hopkins is going to be the guy there. Um, You've you got to believe that, that they're the Arizona, we saw what they did. Um, they got Rodney Hudson, obviously J.J. Watt as well. Seems like they're surrounding Kyler Murray on his rookie contract with a lot of difference makers trying to make a run at it this year. Farrell, I mean, I am not terribly excited about drafting A.J. Green, even as a Cardinal, um, now going to a, seemingly a better uh, offense. But, you know, you don't have to pay a lot for him. 24th round, wide receiver 79. This is over the last five days, according to Darren Armani at FantasyMojo.com. Got to believe that's going to go up a little bit. But I don't know. I'm just not seeing much upside, even taking him that late. I don't understand the play here by um, the Arizona Cardinals, and we're not uh, – I don't know about you, Balky, but I think I've made my statement that I'm, I'm not a big fan of the coach here. It looks like with all this wide receiver talent that was available, not only in free agency, but actually that was released and available before free agency started, you're in a situation where you look at all that wide receiver talent and you choose the one that can no longer really run. And he does not mix well with what you're trying to accomplish um, with this quarterback. This player runs quick, exact routes to be the number one or number two option in passing game. Doesn't make sense. 24th round in a best ball, just for old times' sakes, throwing out there to A.J. Green. He's (laughs) going to have a couple of good games during the year. Uh, But this uh, this is questionable for fantasy. It's questionable for the Cardinals. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, speaking of waiting and seeing, uh, we did see another, and, and I didn't put this on the rundown, but we a uh, couple of things. We don't have to talk about necessarily the Allen Robinson thing, but he signed his franchise tender. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll have to see if um, if the Bears keep him or if they do indeed trade him. 
Um, but Will Fuller signed a one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins, uh, which is kind of interesting. We believe Tonga Bailoa is going to be the quarterback there. We believe Devontae Parker is, is, is going to be on the team, but we don't know um, how Will Fuller fits into that. Farrell, when you look at where Will Fuller was going in the FFPC best ball leagues, again, over the last five days as a free agent, he was going in the mid-eighth round as wide receiver 34. Look into the Farrell Elliott crystal ball. How high does that ADP go now that we know what team he's going to be playing for? I think it stays about the same quarterback dependent. It maybe should take an uptick, but you know, you get into, uh, you said he's, he's an eighth round. You mojo him at about the eighth round there. Yeah, correct. So when you go into the seventh, you're now looking like against guys like Cortland Sutton and that type of group. Uh, Fuller is a, is a, uh, is a make it happen wide receiver, but this is a different situation for him. I can understand of why the Dolphins would really want this player, but I'm, I'm not so sure that – I think the people drafting Fuller in the eighth round saw much better landing spots um, in the Miami Dolphins for him. Moving on here, Farrell, to talk about the tight end situation in Seattle and how it's affecting the tight end situation in Los Angeles. Gerald Everett is heading north to uh, Seattle, uh, formerly of the Rams. He signs a one-year $6 million deal with the Seahawks, according to Ian Rappaport on Twitter. Everett um, gets the prove-it deal uh, instead of a, a, a three- or four-year pact. And, uh, he, you know, it, it's kind of weird because he, he showed off pretty good. Um, then he got hurt, and, and then he had a couple of good games, and then he kind of d- disappeared for a while. Um, Everett um, is going to be competing with um, – some non-sexy tight ends on the roster, but tight ends that already have some chemistry established with Russell Wilson. He's 27 years old, former second-round pick, has a career average of 6.7 yards per target. I'm, I'm a little bit bullish on him, uh, given I, I think he will end up being the starter there. I think he's going to get the lion's share of the tight end snaps. Tight end 25 in the 14th round in FFPC. Again, tight end premium format. Uh, do you like Gerald Everett now in, in his new landing spot, now that he won't have to deal with Higby anymore? You know, I love Gerald Everett, and I always have. And his boy genius there in the Rams that did not know how to utilize this player. This player comes out of college. He snaps the ball when he catches it. He's got great, great body control. You can see it. He delivered the victory two years ago to the, in that classic game, 54-51, to 51, over Kansas City when he caught two touchdowns. That should have been his coming out party. What happens this year? When they go uh, into the playoffs, he gets two targets, one per game. This is an underused player. This is the player you throw the ball to when it's third and six, not turn around and hand it to Cam Agers. This is what this player has suffered from. He's been involved uh, in in an offense that uh, should feature the tight end more, doesn't feature the tight end. He's an excellent guy, just like the two guys that just landed in New Orleans uh, or in uh, New England. Um, Hunter Henry and Smith, uh, both those players are moved tight ends, can line up in the slot. This player gets with Russell Wilson in Seattle. It's going to be a beautiful option uh, for for um, uh, Russell Wilson. Everett's numbers should explode. He's going to catch a lot of pla- a lot of passes. You know, we're coming off a team where Tyler Lockett got 100 balls last year. There's there's so much need for this player. Uh, in offenses around the league. He's got the perfect place, and guess what? He gets to play the Rams twice next year. How sweet will that be? <laughs> yeah, it definitely will be, especially for uh, anybody who's managing him in fantasy, too. Um, Gerald Everett now going to Seattle, certainly well within the conversation of solid backup tight end in the FFPC. Keeping it on the tight end conversation, our good friend Hudson Kern-Reeve in the chat room just pointed mm-hmm. out that Donald Parham is cooked in Los Angeles. Uh, As Jared Cook signs the deal with the Los Angeles Chargers, he is indeed the Hunter Henry replacement out there, going to be catching passes from Justin Herbert. Um, He goes from New Orleans to Los Angeles, Farrell. What does that do to his fantasy value? And I'll tell you right now, again, this is over the last five days when he was a free agent, but he was going as tight end 32 in the 21st round. Oh, it kicks him up through the roof. You've got to be impressed with that. It also lets them take another player. I, I expect them to draft a tight end as well. There's great tight end draft uh, depth coming up, good talent 
that you can get third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, the complete tight end story uh, with the Chargers isn't told yet. Parham will have a place. Uh, he's too big and too much of a target not to. But uh, Cooks could have the kind of year that uh, people always envisioned him to have. It's, it's a good landing spot for him. Um, one other thing I want to get to here. We, by the way, we we have Josh Batsner, the uh, three-peat winner of the 500 uh, number 37 Dynasty League in the FFPC and the back-to-back winner of the 750 number two coming up in just one minute. I do want to talk about the Broncos backfield here briefly, Farrell, because Denver uh, signed Mike Boone from the Vikings. It's a two-year, $2.6 million contract. He gets a $1.6 million signing bonus. And then right after that, they rescinded their tender on Philip Lindsay, which made him a free agent. Now, I'm not all that surprised that they went a different direction other than Lindsay. It didn't seem like they used him a whole lot last year in the backfield, and it didn't really seem like he had a place on the team. Now, rightly or wrongly, that was his future in Denver. So now he's going to go somewhere else. We'll talk about him more when we find his landing spot, but I do want to talk about the Mike Boone uh, signing as it relates to Melvin Gordon. Does this make you like Melvin Gordon a little bit more um, than now knowing that it is Boone um, backing him up rather than a former Pro Bowler and Philip Lindsay, or does this really not affect Melvin Gordon in your mind at all, knowing if you do want to handcuff him, that it's going to be Boone rather than Lindsay? I have been pushing Gordon up um, in my drafts anyway, and so yes, I think this is to have Lindsay because you, you have to have when you have a talent like that on the roster, just for chemistry in the in the locker room and in, in the. Uh, in the meeting rooms, you, you've got to get him some touches. So, so yes, I, I love what this does uh, for the number one running back. I don't believe we're through at running back here in Denver. I uh, look for Denver to bring in a, a, an interesting pass catching back and, and uh, into uh, through the draft and maybe someone to take some touches uh, in, in this backfield. Boone's a good player. You know, he's a, He's a University of Cincinnati player right up the road here from Louisville. He made the league as an undrafted player, and he's earned a place in the league. He's going to continue to play in the league for a while. The uh, Denver GM, George Payton, um, the, the new GM there, had him at Minnesota all these years. He's a hardworking uh, special teams player, but he is not a fantasy contributor. Don't don't uh, don't bother to uh, to draft this player as a uh, as a handcuff, and by the time we get after the draft and, and into drafting in August, that will come uh, clearly obvious. But uh, yeah, Boone's a Boone's a good player, and when they give him the ball, he he, he runs hard. You got to give him credit. He doesn't get a lot of opportunities, <laughs> but you know he's good fun to watch. Rarely do we get a chance to break news on the high stakes fantasy football hour, but Will Fuller obviously moving from Houston to Miami. How do the Texans answer that? Well, they've signed Dante Moncrief and Alex Erickson to take his place. Just, just coming across Twitter within the last few minutes. My, my heart bleeds for you, Texans fans. Uh, with the Watson situation, Fuller in Miami, Watt in Arizona, and you got Alex Erickson, a former Badger, by the way, uh, coming in uh, along with, uh, as Danny Mueller always says, Monte Doncrief joining him on the Texans this year. Joining us on the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is a player I'm very excited to uh, to have on the program for several reasons of which I'm about to get to. He's been playing football for, for more than three decades. Uh, within the last three years, he's shifted from redraft uh, to Dynasty League specifically and says he seems to have found his area of strength. The proof is indeed in the pudding. He's got multiple high-stakes Dynasty titles under his belt already. He is the 750 Dynasty League number two back-to-back winner and the three-peat winner of the 500 number 37 league. Please welcome the pride of Plymouth, Wisconsin, onto the high-stakes fantasy footballer. It is indeed Josh Batsner. Josh, thanks for coming on board this Thursday with us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always, uh, you know, I wanted to get a heavy hitter for episode number 500, and I, I, I look mm-hmm. at the, the boxes you check here, a three-peat winner in the FFPC Dynasty League number 37 at the 500 level, a back-to-back winner of 750 number two, and you're from Wisconsin, a man after my own heart, basically yep. a neighbor of mine, Farrell. So this is great to have you on tonight, Josh. So awesome uh, to, to get to pick to your, uh, your brain. We're going to get into plenty of uh, dynasty talk. Before we get into the fantasy football portion of, of tonight's conversation with you, can you tell the – I already know what you do, but can you tell the listeners what you're doing for a living in Plymouth? Yeah, I'm a fifth-grade teacher at uh, Riverview Middle School. I teach math and oh. science. So, yeah. So fantasy football is my way to relax and kind of, yeah, 
decompress. So, yeah. And, and I love that. This, 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 Sarah, and this, is, and this is the point I want to bring up right away. Josh is a very analytical numbers guy. And, and I think, you know, while th- th- that's sort of a, a polarizing take on fantasy football is to be a numbers guy, um, I don't think you can argue with the results. Um, you know, clearly the analytics are making sense for Josh as he's got the, just these five dynasty titles alone in these, in these two leagues. It's been, it's been crazy so far. And now hopefully you and I will have to try to at least fake being smart enough to try to understand what Josh is talking about tonight. I can't do that, Balky. But, you know, the quants <laughs> will inherit the earth. Everybody knows that. But, so do the fifth graders, do, do they know that you're a fantasy football guru? Yeah, yeah. I um, yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about the players with some of uh, the kids in class, and we kind of go back and forth. And I got some, you know, Justin Herbert fans, and I've got a couple Bears fans in my classroom too. So they're not taking the um, – Andy Dalton news too highly, but, uh, you know, it's fun. So they have their teams and I don't think they quite know that I do some of the higher, higher levels, but yeah, they know that I'm, I'm pretty active. They know everything about you. They've researched this online. Are you kidding me? If if you were, if if you were my fifth grade teacher, I I would have stalked you. I would have never gone home. We would have talked to them all absolutely every minute. It's just, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm, you're still yet to meet your future Farrell uh, Elliott fifth grader, but he's coming. And you know, he's coming. <laughs> yeah, we got a, we got a few in there that love talking nothing but football. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. No. Oh man, so you know you're a three peat going yeah. for a four peat. I considered myself successful when I made it to Las Vegas three times just to draft. You've won. Uh, three in a row. What's your secret? How are you preparing to go for four? And once you know you're in a dynasty, once you win four, that's a dynasty of a dynasty. How how much better can it get, Josh? Well, you know, each year, I mean, you want to keep improving your team. And this year, I made a a little bit of a concerted effort to kind of get my team a little bit younger and I don't know if you can see the team in front of you but like for my 537 uh, team I've chopped off some of the the higher age guys and I've gone a little bit younger getting just, Justin Jefferson and my backs getting Acres and Swift and you know just kind of getting ready to reboot so you know three's nice but four five six you know you gotta you gotta have a three-year window so um yeah, so I was doing a little bit of that, and then uh, a year after I started this one, I, I picked up an orphan and took second in that one, and then I, I won the last two years in that one, and then I was up for another another challenge, so I got a new team last year, and I took second. So my it kind of seems my first year I, I take second as I kind of get my roster shaped up, and by year two, I've got it pretty much where I want it, and it's not a guarantee to, you know, win it at the very end. But, you know, you can get yourself to that number one seed. Um, and then that gets you, gets you in a good position because you never know what's going to happen in the last couple of weeks. You can have some, some bizarre games that can skew some things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, getting the roster, pretty nice. So Yeah, and I think that's important, you know, because, we, you know, you think about the the, the – you know – it's it's one of these things like okay I'll use the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as an example and, and granted now this isn't going to be perfect but everybody's talking about the Buccaneers you know all oh, they won the Super Bowl last year they're bringing everybody back this year they're they're going to make a, a run at it again well yeah sometimes that can work but sometimes it, it's not about bringing the players that helped you in 2020 back for 2021 it's about finding the players on other teams on other squads that are going to help you in 2021. It's, it's not necessarily, you know, just because somebody had a great 2020 doesn't necessarily mean that, that they have a really good chance of having a, a great 2021. And I think that's sometimes the danger we have as dynasty owners, especially if we're coming off a first place, uh, uh, you know, finish, uh, a runner-up finish. We just assume we're this close or, or you know, we can, we can run it back with this squad. That's not always the case. It's, it's all about foreseeing the future. And, Josh, certainly you've done a good job with that by winning these five dynasty titles here in the last three years. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about some player analysis here. Uh, Marvin sure. Jones signs with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars in free agency. 
So now he heads to this team that will presumptively have Trevor Lawrence at quarterback there. Obviously, LaVisca Chenault was picked there high last year. Um, DJ Chark, I know you own him in some of your dynasty leagues. What does this do for Chark's fantasy value, knowing that Marvin Jones, a field flipper, and and, uh, a guy who caught a lot of touchdowns in Cincinnati and Detroit, what does this do for you uh, having Chark on your rosters? Well, uh, yeah, I've got Chark on uh, two out of my three teams, and he's he's been a little bit slow to to develop. I was kind of hoping for a little bit uh, quicker progression with him, but I think the Marvin Jones signing helps him. Uh, A nice veteran receiver in there. You've got, like you said, LaVisca in there, and hopefully, I mean, right now, DJ's a hold for me because I'm really hoping they're going to take Lawrence, and then, you know, if Lawrence goes in there, I think that could be a a really nice uh, connection right there. So a lot's going to determine if if Jacksonville somehow screws up the draft and doesn't get Lawrence and we're stuck with Minshew or if they pick up someone else in free agency that's not really worth much – then I might look on moving moving on with them. But for right now, it's a hold. How much, uh, how much of the redraft do you play? Well, that's what I used to just all do. Um, even back three decades ago when I used to go with, got invited into my brother's league, and we used to do that. And so I did 30 years of that or, you know, a good 25 years of that. And I was always left with that frustration at the end of the year. Something quirky would happen at the end and I'd get knocked out because I built this team so nicely by the end of the year and then I had to start all over again. So um, I, I'm not exactly sure how I jumped in a dynasty, but once I went in there, I'm like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. So, um, and now it's just perfect. So, yeah, um, redraft is great because you get a fresh start. You know, and some players uh-huh. like that. You completely wipe the slate clean and, and start fresh. Um, but I'm pretty happy with how I build teams and, you know, the results. Uh, I don't know if I'll, I'll get bored with this and want to switch. A lot of um, a lot of the fellow teammates that ask if I want to co-manage another team, they're like, oh, you should try out Superflex and things like that. So I might dabble yeah. in some others. But I really enjoy Dynasty um, uh, one quarterback right now, tight end premium. Well, um, so well, the, the the FFPC will will certainly invite you to dabble. I have been uh, I, I've been <laughs> jumping in to I, I've been jumping into these various formats of classic and best ball, and and I'm, I'm loving it. But the FFPC randomizer sends me immediately uh, to the last seat in the role in coach. I mean, I am back of the bus. Uh, <laughs> if, if you've ever watched the graduate, I'm, I'm sitting back there waiting for Kate Ross and Dustin Hoffman to appear. I'm just, I'm in the very, very back. But if I ever get to the front and I'm sitting at two, three, four, I am a little nervous about pulling the, the, the trigger on, uh, Saquon Barkley. And I know in Dynasty he matches the great opportunity of, of being in a being a bell cow running back and being young. But coming at, on after this knee injury, if I if I were sitting in a startup dynasty and I'm sitting there early in the draft, would you have any any trouble pulling the trigger on Barkley? Because I don't know if I want to live with him one year. Are you going to try to live with him for his career? Well, and that's a, a good point. But if you look at a lot of the top backs that are there, they all got question marks right now. And some mm. um, injuries, like you got McCaffrey up there. Um, Jonathan Taylor was someone who I was kind of focusing and looking at, but now they just re-signed Marlon Mack. So that puts a little twist in that. And then you go down, you've got Kamara, who's, you know, 25 and a new quarterback. You don't know how that's going to shake mm-hmm. out. you got – you got Cook, who's 25 and injury issues. You've got Chubb, who's sharing the backfield. So there's not a lot up there without question marks. So when in doubt, and, and, you know, maybe we'll talk about this later. I mean, you look at the age. He's still 24. He didn't have a lot of uh, um, wear and tear um, with the injuries, if you want to look at it that. So um, I'm hoping for two, three solid years out of them. Um, but we'll see with uh, they just signed Booker, and uh, we'll have to see. I think they could use a wide receiver one to kind of help out, uh, take some of the pressure off 
um, so spread around. They got the Shepard and Slayton and stuff, and they just signed Kyle Rudolph, who kind of, which kind of messes up my Ingram. But uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not too worried about Barkley. In fact, I kind of bought him a little bit low. Um, he was one of the guys I kind of switched out of. I got out of Kamara um, while he was at at his high point and took a little chance and got Barkley plus you know extra. So. Those are the types of things I look for. So, no, I mean, out of all the running backs, he's as good of a, a bet, I think, as, as, as the others. So, Good. Okay. Well, now that I ever get up in front of the draft, I can, I can keep that as part of my consideration. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Talking with uh, Josh Batsner, the uh, three-peat winner of 500, uh, number 37 and 750, number two back-to-back champ here on episode 500 of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. We had a question from the chat room. The uh, smartest neurobiologist I know over at Cornell, uh, Hudson Reeve, wants to know about the late signing the Raiders made today. Kenyon Drake from the Cardinals is now going to be a Las Vegas Raider. So, Josh, question for you. I, I guess for we could talk about it from you know 2021 aspect uh, as well as what it's going to be like going forward there. What does it do for Josh Jacobs? How do you see the backfield shaking out? And as a second part to that question, um, you think Chase Edmonds is going to be the guy in Arizona or are they going to add somebody in the draft? Yeah, with Josh Jacobs, I actually have him on all through my teams. And that was one of the things I did in the offseason. I did not see them adding uh, Devontae Booker, but I didn't see them getting rid of their whole offensive line pretty much too. So, there's been a lot of shake up this free agency and I, I keep checking it like every 15, 20 minutes because something else comes out. Um, but yeah, there's some definite question marks. I think about Jacobs. Um, he had a limited um, catching role. Um, we know he can catch, but now with Booker in there, Booker is a little bit older. He's 28th and up there, but, um, or not Booker. Um, Jerry. Who did the rated? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think it does take some of the upside off of Jacobs. He was probably a back-end RB1, and now I think that puts him, you know, probably middle of RB2 land. So we'll have to see how that shakes out um, in that backfield. I'm I just before we get to the next part, I just I'm just looking at this right now. Uh, this and again, I'm doing FFPC um, best ball redraft. Um, ADP here on this. This is not startup ADP or anything like that. Since the, since the signing just happened, it's, it's not going to be very reliable, but Josh Jacobs was going at that 2-3 turn as running back 15. Kenyon Drake obviously was going later than that um, when you look at his ADP um, as, as far as where it was at, again, before he signed with, um, with the Raiders this afternoon. We'll see how this fleshes out over the next few days, but he was running back 29 at 7-11. And Chase Edmonds, um, as long as we're talking about the Cardinals, Chase Edmonds was actually going uh, much later than that as I try to find him here, uh, running back 32 at the 8-10. So he was not going that much later than Kenyon Drake, but he certainly has the command of the backfield there going forward, maybe until the draft. And if Arizona soaks a day one or day two pick into a running back, they are going to be highly sought after in both dynasty and redraft formats. Um, Josh, you have Cortland. So you talked about um, Josh Jacobs in all three leagues. You have Cortland Sutton in all three of your dynasty leagues in the FFPC as well. This is another guy coming off a torn ligament in his knee. How confident are you in a bounce back this season? Have you been shopping him at all to see what you could get? Or are you going to see what's going to happen first before you think about moving him? Well, uh, yeah. Uh, like you said, I got him all over the place. And that injury last year, um, yeah, that really kind of that hurt a little bit. Uh, he was starting to kind of come into his own and everything seems like he's on track to come back healthy. Uh, he has Jerry Judy on the other side. Uh, Noah Fant, you talked a little bit earlier in the show about Melvin Gordon. Um, so the weapons are there to kind of spread it around. Um, big question is Drew Locke. Is he going to be the quarterback for Denver or are they going to find someone? Uh, personally, I don't think Locke is the, the answer. So, Portland right now, until he can show that he's healthy and maybe gets out to a good start where his value might go up a little bit, um, I'm going to be holding on to him. But right now, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I have about the same. I have them real close in value. 
Um, and really the only only difference, I like Sutton more this year, um, but Jerry Judy being three years younger um, gives you a little bit more time, and I don't think there's a better route runner than Judy, but Sutton is the bigger, more physical receiver. So it's going to depend on the quarterback that they, they get throwing the balls on which one's going to be uh, getting the most targets, I think. I'm so glad to hear you say that about being a route runner, uh, Jerry Judy. I, I told someone the other day that uh, Jerry Judy was uh, Fred Belitnikoff with uh, speed, and they asked me who Fred Belitnikoff was. You know, uh, <laughs> no one – I know, it's just it, – it's. You know, I won't be talking to that person for a while. No one um, has to ask who Jamal Williams is. I, I look forward in the future to – having Balky hang out uh, at the senior bowl sometime and, and meet these players when they're, when they're coming out of school. But uh, uh, Jamal was uh, just an abusive, explosive personality, and people just uh, fell for him immediately, and he's the kind of player that you want to root for. And now I think he is in a situation to really pay dividends. I think he's an excellent uh, pairing with, with the quarterback. Uh, in, in this passing game, but the player that you had mentioned early, uh, DeAndre Swift, uh, are we? Can you foresee um, sort of a, a Mark Ingram, uh, Alvin Kamara situation developing in Detroit? Do you, are you high on these players? Do you, do you know, does how does Williams affect your thoughts of Swift? I like that comparison with Ingram and Kamara. I hadn't thought about it like that, but. Being a Packer fan, being from Wisconsin, you know, having seen Jamal Williams and his personality, yeah, you're right. It, I was really thinking it was going to be A.J. Dillon and they were going to sign Williams back in Green Bay and let Jones go. So mm-hmm. when they signed Jones, kind of saw the writing on the wall. So Detroit's got themselves a great back. And Jamal Williams, I don't think, is going to be any more um, than what he was with the Packers, um, fantasy-wise. Real, real football-wise, it's a great, great signing. Um, but the thing is, Jamal uh, Williams, he picks up yeah, the pass rush really well. He's a good catcher. So as long as Peterson and Carrion Johnson and none of those guys come back, he'll be sitting at the number two. He could be poaching those goal line um, rushes, and he's going to be getting fair share of uh, passing attempts too. So I think it does kind of knock down – DeAndre Swift uh, a little bit, but I mean, Swift is only 22 as well. So he's got a lot of years in front of him and we'll see how Williams holds up too. Um, But it's a great football signing. uh, Not the greatest for value wise, I think for Swift, but Williams is still going to be Williams, the same, same type of fantasy output, I would think. Um, let, let's talk about um, uh, shift over to the wide receiver position. Corey Davis was a guy who broke up very late in his career, Josh, a guy that um, many dynasty players had sort of given up for nothing, um, cut in a lot of leagues. And this is a guy who was picked in the top five of the NFL draft. He broke out last year with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Now he will be going to the New York Jets, presumably as their number one receiver ahead of Denzel Mims. We'll see if, if the Jets sign. Uh, another receiver that, that could be their number one there and Smith-Schuster. I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, what we know right now is Davis is there. What does that do for his dynasty stock, in your opinion, as the Jets stand right now? Well, I think it's a good fit right now. Um, even with Sam Darnold, I'm expecting them probably to pivot and uh, once draft day comes around, send Darnold away. So it's going to depend who they bring in. And, of course, you mentioned, uh, Eric, if uh, Juju comes over there, uh, that's obviously going to take some targets away and things like that. But right now I think Corey Davis and Denzel Mims is a, a really fine one-two um, punch. they got to figure out what they want to do with if they're going to go with Herndon at tight end. Um, but Crowder's there. Uh, he's got a non-guaranteed $10 million contract, so – He's a pretty easy cut to, to clear some space. Um, I think they just picked up a, a wide receiver three type in the last like 30 minutes right before I, I started listening to you guys. I, I saw something, but it was minimal, but it made me think that uh, Crowder might be on his way out. So uh, Davis and yeah. Mims, um, I think it's a, a pretty good 
one-two punch right there because Davis, he didn't have that much confidence. It seemed like he got it back a little bit. He's going to get some tougher corners on him because um, he doesn't have A.J. Brown to take some of that attention away from him. But, you know, I would definitely hold on to him. Or if you can buy him cheap, uh, I think he's a decent buy cheap option because if you get the right quarterback in there, I think he can be putting up 70, 75 catches, 1,000 yards, you know, six to eight touchdowns maybe. So a good wide receiver three, four type uh, type output. I cringed a little yeah, bit, Balky, when I saw Corey Davis, uh, uh, when I saw Corey Davis go to the Jets, but I, I've warmed up a little bit. Uh, I've warmed up a little bit to it. Have you? Um. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's, it's weird because, well, I've, I've told my Corey Davis story on the show. I, only, I owned him in one dynasty league, and I got him as, as a quasi-throw-in to a trade. And when it came down, this is a Kentucky, a KFFSC, a dynasty league. Um, and when it came down to it, um, he just, like, I had some other guys that were just trash, and I'm like, I'll keep Corey Davis, see what happens. Same thing happened with Robbie Anderson mm-hmm. last year where I was ready to cut mm-hmm. both those guys, and then they both had pretty good seasons. So I don't know. Like, whatever happens, happens with them, but I don't really have high expectations. By the way, Josh, the receiver you were talking about, um, Jaguars, former Jaguars receiver Keelan Cole, signed a $5.5 uh, yeah. million uh, with, with the Jets. So he is going to be a New York Jet catching passes, you would think, from Sam Darnold there. We'll see. Much So much is going to happen uh, be, before uh, the, the, uh, the season starts. We have more free agency. We have the draft to get to. And I guess the, the question really, Farrell, for, for Josh here is, like, and for you and I as Dynasty players, when's the right time to trade? It, uh, it, it's interesting. It appears that a lot of things are going to happen, and they're all happening while we're doing the show, which, which I appreciate <laughs> that. And, and, and Balky, your, your moves in the KFFC Dynasty are, you know, uh, once again, prove your – your genius, although perhaps you describe it as accidental genius. This, as the 500th <laughs> show, Josh, you being here has been a great gift for me because our uh, celebrated and prominent chat room star, good friend, FFPC, KFFSC player, the aforementioned uh, Hudson Kern Reeve, um, has uh, his, his dynasty crew – they refer to themselves as the 26ers, they have expanded into another startup dynasty. And apparently someone uh, said later, guys, and I got an invite. And, and I, I was nice. so thrilled to be in. This is my first – years of playing fantasy football. This is my very, very first dynasty team. So I get the invite, and I don't even know what my draft pick is. I just And it shows that it's now full. Apparently, somebody set it up and pushed a button. And the next thing I know, my inbox is full of guys trying to trade draft positions uh, and, and trading me. Next, and, and I'm going, what the hell is going on with my phone? What is this? I get all these emails and, and offers are made and then they're canceled. And I haven't even looked at them. And, and you know, it's just it's uh, it, it's already off to a feverish start, and nobody even has a player yet. So, learning from you, this is this has been great. And how you've talked about moving from players, do you wheel and deal during free agency, during trading? How 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 does it shake out at first? How does it? You know, should I ignore this and just use my player knowledge to assemble my best team, or or should I uh, should I fall victim to some of these trade offers from these outstanding um, fantasy vets of, of of dynasty lore here? Well, I would think they, you know, in all the trade offers, they have your your best interest at heart. So I'm sure they're all in your favor. So I wouldn't worry about that at all. One of the things I learned, too, uh, when I got in my first league for Dynasty is you start to get used to the guys. You get to get to know them, chat, especially during the draft, and you find out a little bit more. I mean, the, the guys that I'm with are, are, are just great, but you learn a lot about them, uh, the players that they like, where they're from, um, the things that they tend to, to do and what they uh, like in trades and what they don't. So it takes a little bit and I would say a year 
or so, and then you have a pretty good feel. But I trade all the time. There's not an off season for my teams. I literally there's there's no way anyone puts more trade offers out than I do in my leagues. I'm constantly looking for something um, based on what other teams need, um, what things I can get. And usually I'm thinking about two or three moves down. If I get this player, then I'm pretty sure this team's going to want them and I can move them for player X. So um, it, 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 it's a little bit of chess, you know, in it because you're thinking a couple moves ahead. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm constantly throwing trades out there and, you know, that's based on my likes too, but you know, I, I listen to, to your show and, and, you know, other shows and I've got some trade calculators that I really like that kind of just reinforce some of my thoughts, um, before I send anything out there. But in a dynasty league, it just takes a little time to kind of get your, your feet and understand where the other players are coming from and that way you know, you're sending decent trades, you know, something that can help them out. But, you know, I'm always hoping to win every trade, um, at least by a little bit, because if you, if you win enough of those, that allows you to kind of splurge on someone and maybe, you know, not win the trade, but really get a player that you want. So. Yeah. That's, that's the old uh, Houston Rockets GM. Well now uh, president of basketball operations for the Sixers, Daryl Morey, he always did that where he'd do a million trades and he would win each of them by like one or 2%. And all of a sudden, he had a great team, you know, after, after yep. all these trades. And, and sometimes uh, you can apply that to Dynasty uh, as well, for sure. Uh, let's get to a couple of emails here, Josh, as, as long as we got a little bit of extra time on the show sure. this evening. I know we, we touched on um, uh, Aaron Jones uh, briefly um, earlier, but let's get into to, to some heavy-duty Packers backfield talk here. Uh, this is from Phil in Albany, New York. Hi, Josh. Given how the Packers – Never really like to overuse Aaron Jones. Do you see the backfield for Green Bay being a 50-50 split between him and A.J. Dillon this season? Thanks so much. That is Phil in Albany, New York. Josh, what do you think? How does this backfield shake? First of all, is it, is it Jones and Dillon? Um, does a, another running back enter the fray uh, in, via the draft or maybe a, a free agent pickup to, to pick, you know, make this a, a one-third, one-third, one-third? How do you see the, the Packers' backfield for 2021 for fantasy purposes? Yeah, Jones always was, you know, maybe about 14 carries or, or um, you know, at most. So you, you didn't see a lot of the 20-carry type uh, games. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of tread on the tires. He's, you know, he's in pretty good shape. He's had a few nagging injuries. So, you know, he's going to be healthy. And I think for the next two years, he's going to be an RB1, uh, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um A.J. Dillon is not going to fill the Jamal Williams role as effectively. He's not as good a pass protector. Um, So I think you're going to see Jones move around a lot more. So I see an uptick with uh, catches and rushing yards. You might see some regression with touchdowns because that's just kind of unsustainable um, some of the years that um, he's had. But I think he's going to get an uptick in – in targets and in carries and really the the contracts kind of front loaded for the first two years so i would see jones being a packer for two years they're gonna probably let him go and then i think they'll have aj Dillon for his last year of his rookie contract so i think that's kind of how the next three years play out for the packers which i'm excited about being a packer fan i you know sure he touches the ball he can get to the end zone um, every time he touches it. So he's an exciting toy for uh, Rodgers to have on offense. 5.2 yards of carry, career average for Aaron Jones, too. That's been pretty impressive. We'll see if he can keep that up going forward. Josh, you've been extremely gracious with your uh, time tonight. Certainly appreciate it. Um, before we let you go, Farrell's going to ask you one final question. Sure. Yeah, it's an important question that Farrell demands to ask because I want to know <laughs> uh, one or two players that – you want to acquire in dynasty leagues right now, preferably through the draft, because that's how I'll be acquiring them. And then um, is there someone that you're just looking to get away from? Somebody that obviously would be quite a pick in redraft, but somebody for dynasty that you just don't really care for? Yeah. Let's see. Um, Players that I'm trying to target right now, and I've already gotten a, 
uh, a few shares of him. Uh, Michael Pittman, I think he yep. is going to be really nice um, with having Wentz there, um, having some other weapons, good running, um, hopefully having the lead. You know, I, I just think Pittman's going to uh, be a nice fixture uh, at wide receiver for Indy. Plus, he's super young, 23. And sticking with wide receivers, I, I love Key Higgins. Um, I think people are high on him, but I don't think they realize what his ceiling is going to be. And I would think right. he is really going to show it next year. A lot of love for C.D. Lamb and Justin Jefferson, and rightly so. But I think T. Higgins is going to be right up there, if not the top, by the end of this year out of that group of receivers. And as uh, far as Josh, selling, yeah, go yes, ahead. Please. No, please. We, that, I was looking for the answer. Go ahead. Oh, uh, and as far as selling, I've already done it. Uh, I've sold all my Kamara shares. Uh, Mm. I had him him in all three of my teams, and he has served me well. Um, But the price you got to pay for him right now, I would rather go with someone younger. He's he's 25. Uh, If Winston's the quarterback, they're going to bring in Hill on the goal line, and that's going to poach some touchdowns for him. And I just don't think it's sustainable. And what you have to pay for him right now, I would rather go to a younger guy, um, whether it's Jonathan Taylor uh, even even probably Barkley um, or Cook uh, wow. right now. So Cook would be probably the third out of that choice. But, um, yeah, so he's probably someone I'm looking to sell because right now his value is so high. Um, you can get a lot for him. I, I, I lied. I'm going to ask you one final question here. Cause you, sure. you, mentioned Kamara's, you mentioned Kamara's age, Josh. I'm kind of curious, when, when you look at these upper echelon running backs in the NFL, the McCaffreys, the Barclays, the Camaras of the world, is there a certain um, age that they get to? If, if they're, like, Camara's a, a good example, um, where he just absolutely crushed it last year. Um, knowing yep. what we know now, he would have been the 101 last year. Is there a point Correct. where, a, a, an age that they get to where you're like, okay, this is when his value's highest. I'm going to try to move him right now. Is it 25? Is it earlier? Is it later? I would say 25 is the, is the age where I want to move on from my running back. So, like, mm. you know, I, I do. I have Cook as well, and I have Kamara. Um, and I'm looking, you know, at possibly moving um, one or both of them to get a little bit younger. Um, I think you have to keep your eye on ages and uh, – um, especially with running backs when you have a, a much smaller window. Uh, with wide receivers, you can have a good seven to, seven to nine-year window of high productivity. But with running backs, you're, you're probably only going to get, you know, two to five depending on, you know, injuries and who they bring in that's younger. And uh, you, you do. You have to keep an eye on that. Um, and especially with the rookie draft, too. I mean, everyone loves Najee Harris, but he's 23. Um, you look at yeah. Cam Akers, Cam Akers is 21, and he's got a year under his belt. So if you can trade your 101 or 102 that someone really wants Najee Harris, and they'll give you Akers and maybe a little bit more, I mean, you're you're gaining some years right there, and it's really important with running backs, I feel. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, the, younger, the younger, the better. That That is great analysis. Great, great, great analysis. I wish we had more time. We don't. I'm sure Josh will probably make, given his success, uh, success fail, I'm sure he'll make it his way back onto this show or another one of our shows here yeah. going forward for sure. Um, Josh Batson, ladies and gentlemen, our guest tonight, uh, the three-peat winner of the FFPC Dynasty League number 37, the back-to-back winner of the FFPC 750 Dynasty League number two. Um, what a treat, man. This was awesome talking shop with you tonight. Uh, fantastic that, that I got a fellow Packers fan and a fellow Wisconsinite <laughs> on, on episode 500. Uh, keep it real in Plymouth. We'll talk to you again real soon, dude. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. That's great. Josh Batsner, ladies Ball and gentlemen. Team. Great stuff from him. Wow. A lot of Dynasty. Now, this is a great guest for you to sort of um, break you into Dynasty Fantasy Football, Farrell. No kidding. I finally learned something. I have a new fifth grade teacher. This is more than I learned in the fifth grade the first time around. This is grand. <laughs> this, is just, um, this is awesome. He, okay, so, so the running back thing, that I'll lead off with that because I think that's the most interesting thing. Um, two-parter, mm. number one, when to move on from these studs because I think sometimes we get locked into these studs and, 
and um, it, we, we hang on to them a year too long and we regret not selling them, you know, or trading them for assets uh, the year prior. Um, I did that with Gurley, where I felt like I held on to him a year too long. Turns out I got rid of him at the right time, and I got a really good deal, and it, it totally reshaped the dynasty league I had him in. I got very lucky there. But 25, which is interesting, because basically if running backs are coming in the league at, at age 21 or so, if they're a stud, um, after like three years, four years, it's time to say, hey, look, it's been real. I need to get younger here, and I'm going to give somebody else uh, the option of getting – and he did it with Kamara. He put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, and and I think perhaps just incrementally the small things that take away from Kamara's productivity uh, is what turns him against Kamara. You take – you take a great player like that, but he's already looking at the quarterback and what what the uh, uh, what the X factor quarterback is going to take away uh, down there. You know, I, maybe if even if he had just Jameis and could count on Jameis and think that Kamara gets the good reception piece of the five thousand yards that Jameis would have the potential to throw for without Taysom Hill getting in the way and and yeah, they all put all that together and it. it it makes sense, and boy, there would be a lot of rabid buyers for Kamara. That's the whole benefit of having something to trade is uh, is, is everybody wants to line up and get something for it. So yeah, makes good sense. Yeah, and and the, and the thing is too is to not be married to the player. You know, like you, you got to. Mm-hmm. He was motivated. He was ready to move on. He was right. He, he mentioned it. Refreshing his rosters, getting younger mm-hmm. um, every so often. And, and sometimes that's the key to dominance. And if you're looking to the key to dominance, why not talk to a guy who's three-peated at the highest level yep. of fantasy football? No question in, in Josh Bathner. All right, we got time for a couple of emails. I don't know if we'll get to a whole lot of them. Um, let's kick things off with, um, this is a great one for you, Farrell. Greg in Omaha, how likely is John Brown to be the best fantasy receiver in Las Vegas this year? Balky, just sit this one out and let Farrell answer, please. He writes, happy St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. That's Greg in Omaha. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you. Farrell, it's um, John Brown. It's Henry Ruggs. It's Hunter Renfro as of right now in Las Vegas. Obviously, Kenyon Drake joining the fold at the running back position. But who's the number one there? Is it going to be John Brown for fantasy purposes? Don't forget the Edwards kid and all these guys catch 45 passes in a losing effort. You know, John Brown comes into this situation and, you know, Kamara had to leave because of how he got with the coaches and in the locker room at the end of the year. But they've let better players get away for less money and they bring this player in who who we've talked about on the show before, the player that we admire greatly. But he's at the very end of his career, slide of build, a little slow, uh, no, it's this, you know, unless you just force him the ball. And uh, I, I don't see this. I don't see this working at all. Um, I want to get, we'll do one final email. I'm going to save. There's a, we got a Bill's wide receiver question that I think will be good for next, uh, next week. But I do want to mm-hmm. get to this one because this is, this was huge. Um, Ted in St. Louis writes, dear Balky and Farrell, how do you sort out the fantasy value for the newest New England tight ends this season, Hunter mm-hmm. Henry and John U. Smith. So the, the, the Patriots seemingly have signed 70% of all eligible free agents in the NFL, by my count, and uh, <laughs> two of them were tight ends. They, they gave John U. Smith the big deal, and then the next day, I think it was the second day of free agency, they gave Hunter Henry a three-year contract as well. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what to make of this, Farrell, when you, when you think about how, and I was talking with uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, um, about this yesterday, I said, you know, they drafted two tight ends with their first two picks of the draft last year. And Dave said, well, yeah, they realized they sucked and that now they have to move on to the new guys. And so and maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe I, I don't know. But Smith and Henry, how do you sort this out now in best ball tight end premium leagues like the FFPC? This didn't surprise me. This is a fascinating move, and I'm, I'm quickly becoming – a Patriots fan. You know, they did this, uh, Scott Pioli, when he was involved in the office, they did this in the, in the mid two thousands and the way that they built, um, using uh, free agency and, and doing it in a bargain way. 
and doing it with these one-year deals. And, and I can see this team coming together. So for a fantasy perspective, there's going to be guys that are going to be tempted to think back to, to Gronkowski and Hernandez. And that's not what these this is because these guys are interchangeable. Henry actually lined up more in the slot for the Chargers uh, than, than Smith did uh, down at Tennessee, where it immediately becomes beneficial uh, for the quarterback and for these two players is the TV receptions because the, the, the Patriots got nothing from their tight ends in the red zone in this past season. And these guys are two big targets. They're going to cause and create chaos for all the defenses uh, that, that are going to have to try to stop them, those, those, those very, very tough AFC East uh, defenses. I, I think New England is uh, going to be the most entertaining team to watch, and you should not shy away from either of these players. This is one of those situations where in the draft we're going to see them go back-to-back uh, -back or in the same round. Uh, and and if you could possibly stack them, maybe you should. This is... Uh, especially as, as Newton, we, we we're curious about what's going to happen at quarterback there. But in Newton's case, with his shoulder, he had a hard time moving the ball down the field. That makes John New Smith very important. He's going to catch the ball and run well after it. You're down the field tight end here is Henry. He's a great catcher uh, down the field. And he gets the kind of separation against linebackers that is going to be necessary for Newton's accuracy. So these two players with the quarterback or really with any other young quarterback that they would bring in there, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And I wonder if what these guys bring to the offense, just what that does to uh, Edelman, uh, James White, maybe those guys aren't going to be there. If they are there, it, it'll be curious to see what their role is. These guys catch a lot of balls. I don't know which one catches the most. They catch touchdowns. They will be just as, as valuable to fantasy players as any individual tight end on a lot of teams. We have, well, I mean, we'll have more fresh ADP next week as as we can kind of see how the high stakes players are tackling um, the, the the tight end position, so to speak. Um, especially when in regards to New England, really the New England team in general is. Uh, I'm with you, Trail. Mm -hmm. They're going to be so. I, I don't know fun. Is, I, I don't know if fun is the right word. Intriguing, interesting. Um, I, I think are pretty appropriate there to see how this whole experiment turns out in 2021. It's always awesome uh, to see when, when teams um, really take an aggressive approach to see how it turns out for them. It's always awesome to talk to you, my friend, uh, each and every week here on the High Stakes Fantasy Footballer, 500 episodes in the books. I thank you for your contribution. And uh, I know I need, first of all, everybody needs to get over to KFFSC.com. There's best balls, there's classics, there's tons of stuff going on there. Dynasty Startup. I'm going to have to join that Dynasty Startup. Um, and then oh, uh, I need to get in on another best ball uh, as well because uh, my last one's done. I'm catching up from, from stuff uh, with vacations. Now I'm, I think I'm ready to tackle another draft there for sure. Farrell, can't thank you enough for coming on. We'll all get over to KFFSC.com. Enjoy all the college basketball games this weekend, and we'll talk to you again next Thursday, actually. See you, Mark. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the commissioner of the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship, joining us here every week as the co-host of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Uh, and make sure you get over to KFFSC.com and register for some drafts there if you haven't already. Not only that, get over to MyFFPC.com and get in on some of the drafts we have going on there as well. Dynasty Startups, Dynasty Orphans, Best Balls, Slims, Best Balls, um, uh, best ball day cinco's we got going on, uh, and then of course that football guys um, early bird special. Make sure you're registering for your teams there so you can cash in on that thirty-five dollar uh, free team credit as well. Uh, that is going to do it for uh, season ten premiere and episode five hundred of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks to Josh Baxter, the three-time uh, three-peat champion of five hundred number thirty-seven and the back-to-back -back winner of 750 number two. We've never had a dynasty guest on like that. We've never had anybody come on these airwaves who's won not only three straight in one league, but back to back in another league and is the reigning defending champ in both. Great stuff from him. And he's from Wisconsin, the home of fantasy football. <laughs> Farrell Elliott, my co-host, want to thank him, the FFPC, Rob Bryson, of course, each and every one of you. Now, we will be back again. It will be next 
Thursday at 10, 9 central. We will not have a show next Friday either. It will be Thursday, 10, 9 central. So make sure uh, you're joining us a day early for that. Um, don't forget the other thing, uh, you know, I always talk about um, this show. I always talk about the road of his high stakes lowdown, which we'll have a new episode of that coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, but don't forget to check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State uh, Championship podcast as well. Farrell uh, hosts that one. Of course, guest of this show and Kentucky uh, player Bob Fetcher. They do a great job there recapping the draft. Um, always good announcement, guys. Well, 500 in the book. Season 10 is launched. Can't thank you guys enough. And now go enjoy some college basketball, everybody. Your March weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Um, I know in the past when we've had landmark shows, um, we, we've had a, a cavalcade of guests come on, um, and and that's fun, and it's always good to, to reconnect with a lot of the former guests we've had on the show. I didn't want to do it for, for episode 500 because I feel like what we do on this show is, is to bring you fresh faces, fresh voices that, that don't get the exposure um, of a lot of pundits out there and a lot of fantasy football a- analysts, and they do all, all do a great job. Um, but I always like the people that you don't hear from. And, and hopefully you guys really enjoyed the 40-minute conversation with Josh Bassner, and that's how we'll celebrate episode 500 tonight. Um, great dynasty analysis from a player who is underexposed, a player that you know the, the public wouldn't hear from if it wasn't for this show. And uh, I, you all listening um, are, are responsible for that. So keep listening, keep streaming, keep downloading, uh, keep telling us, uh, giving us feedback, keep reviewing us. We certainly appreciate that. And we'll always try to do better. Uh, 500 in and hopefully uh, uh, 500 more coming, maybe even more. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks again.